Warning, the following segment contains slander of Arsenal Football Club. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to the Euro Trips podcast. The domestic leagues are now over and now it's time for us to reflect. My name is Andy and I'm your host and alongside me are Alex, Naeem and Ryan. How are you boys? Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Obviously Lil won at the weekend so best mood ever. Yeah, I mean, anyone who watched your your stream that that was very entertaining. What your watch along? I mean, I had that on whilst watching the whilst watching Negan and also Newport County at the same time. So it was, um, yeah, fun evening. <laughs> so the Premier League is is now is now finished. We've now concluded the thirty eight game season. Of course, relegation was already confirmed a few weeks ago. Uh, the same with the uh, Premier League title. So there's only one. Only one matter left to decide in the Premier League, and that was the top four race. Uh, Liverpool, Chelsea and Leicester were all fighting for that top four place. In the end, thanks to Liverpool's win, uh, Chelsea's lost and and Leicester's loss, uh, Liverpool finished third and Chelsea squeezed past Leicester to get fourth. And Liverpool are back in the Champions League once again, where we we belong. And um, after, you know, after all these months of... Of that bad run we had in January and February at home, it, it's really good for us to finally, you know, finally get actually get that top four where it seemed pretty out out of reach start of March. So yeah, that that was obviously we won two 0 Um obviously Mane got both goals. Uh, Leicester the Leicester lost four two in quite an entertaining game against Spurs. In the, in the day, that's actually quite good for the neutral because uh, sometimes I think everyone was in diff- everyone was in fifth at one point. I mean, we were fifth when um, obviously Leicester scored, and obviously Chelsea were fifth when they were losing. But obviously, then Leicester ended up finishing fifth for the obviously the second year in a row. So sadly for Leicester, once again they failed to get top four on the last day of the season, despite having a quite a favourable lead earlier on. So hopefully, for their sake, they'll get back. To, you know, they'll finally get that top four next season. But I think all Leicester fans would have taken fifth place and the FA Cup before the season started. But yeah, that concludes the end of my of the Premier League season. Uh, hopefully, next season we'll be seeing a different team win the Premier League. Hopefully, that team's in red and not from Manchester. Um, so the next thing we're going to talk about is. It's France. So, Alex, take it away. Well, <laughs> well, 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 I think we all know, as we mentioned at the start, um, the story of the weekend. Uh, Lille is to the uh, title victory. Very big momentous victory. Obviously, we've got a big section in the minutes. So I'm not going to dwell on it too much, but it's safe to say that Berk Jones is one of the best players of all time. And coming onto this podcast... Um, being asked who my favourite player is and saying it's Barack Gilmas. That's aged like a fine wine, hasn't it? Um, <laughs> elsewhere in Ligue 1, um, Leon capitulated and uh, missed out on Champions League football um, by losing 3-2 to Nice. Um, after a brilliant golf by Hassan Kamara, a player I'm actually you know, spoke to before on Twitter with, very good, nice guy. Um, also, Marseille somehow got into the Europa League. They're a team I'm going to hammer a bit later on. But good, good, good enough to them. But I will say, 
France's lineup in Europe next season looks pretty strong. Lille will still have a few players left over from this season. PSG will be back in. Monaco completely resurgent. I think they're going to be a really tough team in Europe next season. And Lyon and Marseille in the Europa League. Those are two good teams. And Lyon have obviously lost their manager. So there's going to be a new project there. And Rennes are in the Europa Conference League. So that'll be interesting to see what they can do. Because I think that's just about their level where they can go far into it. Um, elsewhere, Nantes... We're put into the relegation playoff. They're playing Toulouse tonight. Um, literally, as we're recording, so you, the first leg of their relegation playoff. So we'll know what happened probably by the time this podcast goes up. Um, but yeah, it's been a, a a very memorable weekend in France, and uh, very good, very good for the competition of the league. And hopefully, this is where the league gets really, really exciting in the years to come. Yeah, fantastic. I think everyone, of course, everyone loves seeing a different team win that league. So, but very good that was. Um, so, next league is going to be Italy. So, Ryan, obviously, anyone who hasn't been checking the sports news today and yesterday, there's been a very interesting last 48 hours in terms of the, the, the managers in charge of Italian clubs. So, Ryan, how did Serie A end and, and what's been happening? Yes, 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 yes. Pisca Mariani, che sì, che sì, che sì. I think that sums that one up. That was the reactions of some commentators and pundits watching the AC Milan game. And, uh, Definitely one uh, that was worth watching. Uh, it was a brilliant victory for Milan, but we'll go into that in a moment. But yeah, so it's, that is that. Serie A 2021 season is done. And what a campaign it's been. Obviously, we've seen new champions in Inter Milan. We've seen AC Milan get back into the Champions League. We've seen Napoli miss out on the Champions League. And Roma, uh, just about on the last day, made the newly formed UEFA Conference League, but just a two-goal difference after both of them and Sassuolo finished on 62 points each. So a bit unlucky for Sassuolo. I feel like they deserved it more than Roma, but hey-ho. Obviously, we've seen Parma, Crotone and Benevento all go down, with Parma and Fiorentina being my two biggest disappointments this season. And as I mentioned a moment ago, Milan pulled off a stunning last day victory away to fellow Champions League contenders Atalanta to earn them a second place finish. There was only a couple of podcasts you know, ago when I said that I felt Milan were going to miss out altogether. And now they finished second. Brilliant achievement for them. First time in seven years that they are back in the Champions League as well. So the project is still firmly moving forward and Juventus have Verona to thank after they held Napoli to a 1-1 draw in Naples, which proved to make all the difference. That meant that Juve leapfrogged Napoli into fourth spot. So they're in the Champions League. Napoli aren't unlucky Napoli. But as I mentioned to the guys just before the podcast started, I've had to change my notes too many times over the last couple of days because of what's gone in in Serie A. 
the managerial circus is in full swing now with Napoli sacking Gennaro Gattuso, who will reportedly join Fiorentina for next season, which could be an interesting saga. And the likes of Sergio Cuenciao, Paolo Francesco and Mitch Jerry Sarri were all linked to the vacancy at Napoli. But today I've seen it could now be someone else who I haven't mentioned who could well take that job. And Juventus as well. I thought that they were going to keep Pirlo. Turns out I was wrong. They're going to reappoint Max Allegri for next season, who was heavily linked with Real Madrid. Isn't going yeah, there. can I can I can I quickly go in Ryan because I've got a bit of a bone to pick with him. Um, on my YouTube channel, Euro Expert, uh, I'm doing pretty well over the last few days, and I released a profile on Max Allegri titled "Why He's the Perfect Manager for Real Madrid." Hmm. And in the last two days, it got 200 views. And because he's decided to take the most backward step in his career and literally the most boring possible choice, he has now killed that video. So, <laughs> Max Allegri, if you're listening. Um, fuck you. Back to back to Ryan. <laughs> I'm sure he is listening, so I'm sure he'll be deeply offended by that comment. But I hope so. Yeah, I don't agree with him going back to Juve at all. I don't see why he's done it. He's already achieved what he wanted to achieve at Juve a couple of years ago. It makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever when there are other jobs out there to take, especially Real Madrid being one, because it seemed as though he was the front runner for that job as well. So I can't really work that one out uh, whether it's just uh, a lure of Juventus once again I don't know but moving on as well Antonio Conte mm, you could say shockingly has left Inter Milan it wasn't a massive shock to most people because there were a lot of rumours that he, were gonna le- he was going to leave Inter anyway because after winning the Squadetto he leaves uh, reportedly be- because of a dispute be- between him and the club about the upcoming transfer window. Uh, it's no secret in Milan they need to raise money, a reported minimum 80 million euros this summer due to their financial situation. It seems as though his takeover isn't as close as once thought. And for me, that was the biggest news to see him leave and be interesting to see where he goes because, funny enough, he's been linked with Tottenham and I couldn't help but laugh when I saw that because... Why would one leave the champions of Italy for Tottenham Hotspur? Their maths don't really work out there at all. So that one I can't see happening. But I think it's Poch, isn't it, coming to Spurs? Talks with them. I think that would be... That's just clickbait, I think, from Sky Sports. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jose Marino, we obviously know, is joining Roma. And the managerial turnaround this summer in Italy is, is is massive. It's the biggest one I think we've seen for a long, long time. I mean, I mentioned in a couple of pods so far about uh, Simeon Inzaghi being the man in demand. He was linked with Tottenham. He was linked with Napoli this week. He was linked with Inter Milan. And it seems as though it, he will be going to Inter Milan. Uh, Fabrizio Romano reported a little while ago today that that's pretty much a done deal. So interesting to see how he does there he's done a great job of Lazio so uh, I'm quite intrigued about that one but where Conte and Pirlo go from now is anyone's guess I mean Pirlo hasn't really made any kind of you know contribution to, to Juve so I don't really know what where he goes I mean Conte 
you know, he wins things wherever he goes, really. He, he, he's almost like a, like a Jose Mourinho back in his day, I think, anyway. Doesn't really stick around for too long, but does make a, an immediate impact. But out of the top five clubs, it's only Milan and AC, that is, and Atalanta that will go into next season with the same manager as it stands. Of course, it might change. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, finishing up with the stats, Cristiano Ronaldo finished the campaign as the leading goal scorer with 29 goals with the likes of Lukaku, Luis Muriel, Dusan Vlahovic, Immobile and Simeon Nawankwal, all trailing behind the 36-year-old Portuguese legend. And it's the Chelsea target, Ruslan Malinovsky, who created the most assists with 12 and uh, quite amusingly, a player called Pascal Chitterella had the dishonour of the most bookings with 14 for Benevento. Bloody hell. And finish, finishing up. I bet he's a proper shithouse. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, had to, I had to make sure I got that name correct and I'm still not sure if I did. But yeah, oh, I mean, it's been a memorable season in Italy. A lot of ups and downs, many, many goals scored. One of the most exciting ones for me I've ever seen and I can genuinely say I've enjoyed it this season and next season I think proves proves to me it could be a lot more special with, with, with the managers that are going to be in charge of some of these clubs although I don't like him with Mourinho being there you know it it brings that little bit of X factor to to the touchline and I can see it being a very entertaining season Right, brilliant. That that was a nice little nice little roundup of Italian football. Um and Thank finally you. we head we head to Spain. So Naeem, how's the last weekend go? Yeah, so not too much really happened in terms of people getting into Europe and, and everything like that. So Atletico Madrid, they were crowned champions for the first time in seven years. They actually went down um a goal to now relegated Real Valladolid. Um, obviously Real Madrid as well they went 1-0 down to Villarreal as well so as it stood Atletico would have won the league's league but obviously two goals in the second half from Carrera and Luis Suarez uh, managed to secure them with a 2-1 win uh, with the likes of obviously Real Madrid they beat Villarreal 2-1 as well with two late goals from Benzema and Modric but obviously this wasn't enough uh, for them to win La Liga. Um, elsewhere, Barcelona got a 1-0 narrow away win to the bottom of the table and now relegated Ibar. Sevilla, they beat Alaves 1-0 uh, to make up the rest of the top four. Uh, the Europa League spots, they were secured by Real Sociedad with a 1-0 win. Real Betis came from two goals down to beat Celta Vigo 3-2. Um, and the relegation spots, yeah, down at the bottom of the table, Elche, they managed to survive on the last day um, because as it stood before the games were played, they were in the bottom three. But they managed to beat Atletico Bilbao 2-0, which meant Huesca, who only managed a 0-0 draw against Valencia, they dropped down into the bottom three and they obviously subsequently got relegated. Um, So this means obviously Huesca, after getting promoted last season, uh, they dropped straight back down to the Segunda Division. And yeah, obviously elsewhere, Villarreal, they won the Europa League yesterday, winning 11-10 on penalties against Manchester United. So that win puts them into the Champions League. So there's going to be five teams in the Champions League next season from Spain. And there won't be a Spanish uh, representative in the UEFA uh, Conference League next season. Um, but yeah, there's not really, there's not really too much happened, really. Um, 
other than, other than obviously Huesca going down, and yeah, the top four was pretty much secured from ages ago because Sevilla they had well, in the end they they had a fifteen point lead over Sociedad. So yeah, that was ne- they was never getting into there. But um, yeah, that's pretty much all that really happened. Really, nothing. No, it wasn't really too exciting on the last day. Um, as opposed to the other leagues, yeah, everything was pretty much wrapped up weeks ago. So um, yeah, that's La Liga for you. Fantastic, thank you, Naeem. So now it's time for the the main feature. We all are going to run through our worst teams from each of our leagues, and uh, at the end of the podcast, we're going to come with, come up with our combined um, eleven across the European leagues, and then we're going to allow you guys on Twitter to vote yourselves for your uh, worst team of the season across Europe. So uh, we'll go back to me. Uh, so we'll go through my. And what we'll do, we'll go each position one by one. So we'll start off a goalkeeper. Obviously, we'll say all ours one by one and whilst explaining why we've chosen these players. And then obviously, then we'll go from position to position. Our formation is 4-2-3-1. So we will be, that's the formation we've gone with with all our teams. Um, so yeah, I'm going to start off with my goalkeeper. Um, I'm going to go for uh, Arsenal's German keeper, Bernd Leno. Um, you look at last time for the Everton game when he scored the own goal. Um, that that's just a classic example of how a season's gone. I mean, I looked up the stats. He's got the seven, seventh worst save percentage in the Premier League amongst all the starting goalkeepers. Uh, I mean, there's increasing talk of it, there's increasing talk of him leaving the club, um, but there's also this sort of increasing regret from I know our from Arsenal fans. I know you guys especially that you didn't you know you kept you, you sold Martinez and didn't you know. And didn't stick with him for one more year because if if he'd been there and Leno had had the season he had, he had the season he's had now. If Martinez was there, um, I, I don't think Leno would have finished the season. To be honest with you, he, he'd been he's been that bad. So yeah, Bernal is my choice at goalkeeper. Um, no other. I mean, I thought maybe someone like Aaron Ramsdale, but um, I, th- I thought obviously with the expectation they were. I don't know. I thought maybe Leno was more of a disappointment because of obviously how he'd been in the season before. So that's my choice. I've gone for Burnt Leno in goal. So next person is to be Ryan. Who's your goalkeeper? My keeper is Luigi Seppe of Parma. Parma do feature not too heavily, but I have a fair few in my in my eleven just because they finished rock bottom. They were a big disappointment for me. Um and yeah, ultimately he was. He made the most appearances um, in terms of being the goalkeeper for Palmer. So it was quite an easy choice, to be honest with you. He uh, wasn't good enough, and not really much more I can say about him. Uh, Alex, who's your goalkeeper? So um, obviously, as we said before recording, you guys picked players from your own leagues. You raided the bottom. Um, about half of them for the worst players. Now I, 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 I've, I, I wasn't sure if we were doing all leagues or if we were going just specific. But I've gone for all leagues. One because I didn't get the memo, and two, I think it's more exciting, you know, because I didn't want to just raid the the bottom half of league, and I didn't want to go through, you know, like the defender for FC Dijon because no one's going to know his name. Instead, I've gone more bold, and my goalkeeper is oh, the only Serie A player I've got in. I'm surprised Ryan's gone for the Palmer goalkeeper because I've gone for Paolo Lopez of Roma. Now, lots of Premier League fans will have watched Kepa last season and laughed at a man who literally could not... He inspires minus confidence. 
Paul Lopez is, in my opinion, the reincarnation of 1920 Keperis of Alaga. He committed four errors across the Champions League and the Premier League. He, I, I'm looking at the, I mean, Ryan might be able to tell us more, but I've watched quite closely the Roma media. All season, they've been saying, well, we're going to get a goalkeeper in the summer, which God knows which one it will be. Lopez is like, he's under that thing as well where the reserve keeper gets minutes. It's not just for injury. And I, I, when you watch him, his, his, his statistics aren't too bad. He's got a 67% save rate. But it, it, it's just, I remember watching him against Ajax in the Champions League and he committed two errors in that. And he was horrific. So, Paul Lopez is my number one. Um, I will say you did get. I did say it last week, Alex. So you did get the memo. You just, you just, you just obviously forgotten. It went, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll go with forgot. I'll, I'll, fair enough. Fair enough. It's fine because Paul Lopez is more interesting than the goalkeeper of Dijon. Fair enough. Fair enough. And then Naeem, who's your goalkeeper? Yeah. So I've gone for um, Rui Silva of Granada. Um, so yeah, it's pretty pretty simple. He's, he's part of a team that conceded the most goals in the league, sixty five in total. Um, yeah, there's not really too much else to say about 65. him. Sixty really. five, oh my god! Yeah, they, yeah, Granada. Yeah, they conceded quite a lot of goals um, this season. Um, yeah, that, that's my that's the main reason why he's in goal. He shouldn't be conceding that much goals um, for a team like that. Oh, I'm I'm conceding Paolo because he can go straight in. <laughs> Fantastic. So now we're on to the right back. Now I was torn between two players, um, both from North London. Uh, I was torn between Matt Doherty of Tottenham and Hector Bellerin of Arsenal. I think Matt Doherty is me one of the biggest flops of the season. I do think he came in with a lot of expectation after his Wolves days, uh, but I can't look past Bellerin. I mean. He's played a lot more games than Doherty has, um, and I think Bellerin's just been just been truly dreadful once again. And I do think, uh, I, I, I think, yeah, I just can't see him ever come back from that injury. I think since that injury, he's never been the same player as he was when he first broke through. And I think he's made far. I mean, obviously, Naeem, Naeem loves Bellerin. We all know how much he hates Bellerin, sort of how much he gets annoyed by him. So I think you two can definitely vouch for how bad he's been this season. And I, I think personally, purely for the fact, I think Doherty's been more disappointing for how he played at Wolves, but I think purely for the amount of games Bellerin's played over Doherty, I think I've got to have Bellerin, Bellerin in my team. There seems to be a running theme here, and I don't like it already. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it helps there's only two more players from Arsenal. That's only two more Jesus players. Christ. <laughs> but that's the show how bad the season's been, so I, I'm very, i got no problem with putting, you know, putting, um, putting Bellerin in my team, because Arsenal have been shocking this season, as you guys can, can vouch for. Yeah, move on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who's your keeper? Who's your right back, Ryan? My right back is once again of Palmer, and it is Simeona Iacoponi. Now, his stats don't cover him too well. He's he's made sixteen appearances in Serie A this season, so not too many, but. As a right back, obviously you don't expect a right back to get goals or assists, but he had neither anyway. But he had three yellow cards and one sending off with an average rating of just 6.16, one of the worst in Serie A. And again, just part of an awful Palmer defence that was just ripped to shreds every game. An easy decision again. And Alex, who's yours? So mine 
again, this is now obviously in this podcast we cover four leagues and we don't cover the Bundesliga. So I've taken liberty, I think, fair liberty of including a couple of players from the Bundesliga. And my one is a player who's not really played at all, and he's at Bayern Munich. Oh, you fit a terrible player from Ooh. Bayern Munich, but who they've won the league? Um, it's Bruno Saar. Now, Saar moved from Marseille last season on loan. And I can't tell you, I, I, I can't explain how confused I was when I saw that transfer. Saar played as a right winger, played mediocre under Andre Villas-Boas at Marseille. He barely contributed any goals. He was mainly used as like a tactical player to just like mark the opposition left, like left winger, like to double up on them. He, in moving to Bayern Munich, as their right back, when they were linked to players like Max Aaron's, it made no sense. And I was backed up with it. He made five starts this season. And I don't even need to go into his stats because the most damning thing about him is that midway through the season when Hansi Flick was uh, toying with his right back position because Benjamin Pavard hadn't really performed well. He was thinking, OK, Pavard hasn't performed well. Should I play the backup right back I've brought in Bruno Sa- No, I'm going to play Nicolas Sula, a six foot four immobile t- tree trunk at right back for the rest of the season. So I wasn't even in the conversation. That's how irrelevant and stupid that transfer was. So I want to put him in there because it still baffles me today how Bayern Munich commissioned that transfer. And then finally, Naeem, who's your right back? My right back is Thierry Carrera of Valencia. Um, this is his second season. He actually was voted in the worst season, worst team of the season last year. And he only played four times last season, but this season he managed to play 19 games in La Liga. And yeah, he still failed to impress the Valencia outfit. So that is the fullback I've gone for. And he's only he's only registered one goal, and one assist for a right back, which isn't that great if you really think about it, but. Yeah, that's my right back, Thierry Carrera. Thank you very much. And now we're going to centre-backs. Uh, we might as well do both centre-backs at the same time to make mm. it a bit easier. So I've gone for two centre-backs uh, that are from um, the supposed big six teams. Um, I will get to, there are some players from other you know, other teams later on, but I think for me, I've gone for Nathan Ake and Eric Dyer. I think Ake from the pure point that he came in with obviously... He had a great time at Bournemouth and he's obviously he's played te- more than 10 games. But for me, he's not been the player that we saw at Bournemouth. And I think he's been massively disappointing. Um, and I do think that um, obviously he was part of that 5-2 defeat. And obviously then that then forced him to get someone like Ruben Diaz. So I do think obviously he's played some games here and then, but he says he's not been there for the big games. He's not been trusted in these big games by Pep, which shows that maybe Pep doesn't rate him. And there's all, there's all these talk of him leaving Man City after just one year. So I think that shows how bad he's been. I'm talking about Eric Dyer has been dreadful this season. I think he's been, would be arguably his worst season at Spurs. I think he's been really bad. And I do think that um, obviously Mourinho trusts him as centre-back. Um, and then Ryan Mason, neither neither man neither manager could get the best out of Eric Dyer. So I do think he's just to me. I just don't think he's. I think he's an alright player. I just don't think he's good enough for a top six side. And I do think that obviously he's not been picked for the England team, which obviously he was part of that team in the World Cup two years ago, no three years ago. Obviously he scored that penalty in the shootout. But I just think he's he's massively regressed over the last few years. And I don't think he's. Anywhere near the quality of a team that wants to try and compete for a top four. So I've gone for Nathan Ake of Man City and uh, Eric Dyer of um, Tottenham Hotspur. And Ryan, who are your two centre-backs? So my two 
are as follows. Jaman uh, Pezala, Pezella, I don't know how you pronounce it, of Fiorentina and Sebastiano Laperto of Crotone. Bit of a Roman theme with Palmer and uh, Crotone and uh, Benevento obviously featuring a lot, but they were the worst teams, so they have the worst players. But yeah, Pizzala, especially for Fiorentina, was was really poor. And I mean, he got one goal, but he made 32 appearances in Serie A, so almost every single game had a rating of just 6.46 and was part of a very um, shaky Fiorentina defence and I don't I think he's just had a poor season because I don't genuinely think he's a poor defender but he hasn't covered himself in glory again this season and then Sebastiano Laperto again another easy decision Crotone. he sounds like a football manager of regen <laughs> he does don't he um Honestly, you know, like I say, part of that Crotone defence that was just absolutely fucking dreadful. <laughs> How can you have a striker like they have scoring so many goals and yet they still finish with the points tally that they did? Just baffles me. But yeah, they, you know, although they don't feature as heavily in uh, in in the defence, but yeah, he was a very poor player this season. Thank you very much. And Alex, who's your two centre-backs? Okay, so first of all, I have, to, I have to promise you that the next three players are non-league and after that it's five out of six league earn. But these two, these are very... I think one of them is going to be disagreed with a lot. I might spark a bit of an argument. Well, I'm not too sure, to be fair. So the first one I'm choosing is Emre Chan. Mm-hmm. Um, see from Dortmund. Mainly on the same vibes of Paolo, but to keep it short. He committed five errors this season which is disgraceful on average a player commits like one or two committing five is ridiculous mm-hmm. and again just in they're not even just like that these errors have been passing it to the opposition striker so they can go 1v1 and score like it's not great um the other one we're all good at so far guys that's not too that's justified right yeah i can't i can't really argue with that that that's yeah. that you gave mm-hmm. just yeah yeah, I, yeah. I, next I one that. next one is kurt zuma Yes. Now, obviously, from set pieces, probably the best defender in the Premier League. Really good. I mean, whenever you see Zimmer coming up for a, a corner, the, he had the early flurry in the middle of the season, uh, at the beginning of the season where he was scoring goals. I think he was one of Chelsea's top scorers. But defensively, there's a reason Thomas Tuchel doesn't pick him. And it's because there's a very good video that you can watch on online. Uh, it, it goes through Twitter and YouTube. Um, it's to, it, it's a video that's, I think it's titled, um, Kurt Zumba when the opposition scores. And it, it, it showcases how so many goals that Chelsea concede is a team counter-attacking. Zuma like, slowly jogging back towards his own penalty box. The striker he could be tracking, running into the box, hitting a rebound in and scoring. And it ha- it's not even just like a coincidence. It's, it, like, you watch it, there's like 10 or 11 goals he could very well prevent if he just starts, if he runs. So for that reason, I think I have to put Kurt Zuma in as someone who's not going to get spoken about too much, but I think has actually proved himself to be defensively woeful this season. Yeah, I think I've got, my thing with Kazuma is that 
he's got all the potential of being a great defender. He's got all the attributes. He's got off. He's strong. He's he's mm. big, and he, he has his games where you think, oh, he's he's looks really good, and he has his games where he just completely just doesn't look doesn't look right. And I yeah, think it's, yeah. It's a real shame because he has he's got all the potential. You're right. He's got all the potential of being this great defender, but I think. Also, I don't think it's any surprise that he's... Um, obviously, when Chelsea had that great run under Tuchel, when all those clean sheets were happening, he wasn't playing many of them. So I do think that, that does say it all, mm. really. Um, but yeah, Naeem, who are your two centre-backs? Yeah, so I've gone for... The first centre-back I've gone for is Javi Sanchez of Real Valladolid. Um, he's a former Real Madrid B centre-back, and he's part of a team, obviously, that got relegated this season and only kept two clean sheets in the league. Um, Fine enough, they actually finished 13th the season before, but yeah, it, it, any 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 centre backs that's part of the team that gets relegated and can only keep two clean sheets, yeah, they deserve to be in one of the worst 11s. And my second uh, centre back is Gerard Piquet of Barcelona. Um, obviously, he's the most um, senior defender um, at the Catalan outfit, but he, he didn't he didn't miss um, a couple months in the season through injury, but. Yeah, he is getting on a bit now, and I think Barcelona, um, if they want to get back to winning titles and everything, um, I think they need to start working on their fence, because I, I know they obviously they're looking to get Aguero, I think the Pies go in there, and um, Arnaldum as well, but mm-hmm. their defence, yeah, their defence, it's, it's not the greatest, and yeah, he's 34 now, and he's not, he's not going to really get any better, so yeah, I'd put him as my second centre-back in my worst team of the season. Fantastic. So we're now on to left back. Um, so these players should probably be left back in the changing room after these, after our reviews. Um, so my honourable mention for me is Benjamin Mendy. I think he's, you know, he, he just can't stay fit. He's all the signs are that professionalism isn't best, but my left back is Sheffield United's Ender Stevens. I mean, he was someone we all loved on, Fantasy last year, he got he was such a reliable option with Sheffield's good defence last year. He was someone who got goals and assists, but this season he's 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 been well the, the whole team, not just him, have been absolutely terrible. And I think that if you look at the stats, he got two goals and four assists last season, and he's had zero goals and one assist this season. So I think in that, if you look at the stats alone, I do think that um, obviously he's been nowhere near what we saw last season and that does go for the whole of the team um, and I do think yeah I think personally he's just not been you know, not been that same player we saw last season I think he's just been one of the victims of the second season syndrome um, so yeah my left my left back is um, Ender Stevens. now who was yours Ryan? Yes yeah, so my left back for the worst team of the season is Benevento's Luca Caldiarola you know I know what you're saying another player from the bottom three teams how lazy, but he had one of the worst average ratings throughout Serie A, 6.33. Um, he did score two goals, which is pretty all right for a left-back, but he made 25 appearances in Serie A this season, three bookings, a red card, and yeah, he just didn't inspire confidence for Benevento, and so... Yeah, he was more left back. Alex, who is yours? I, w- I was debating mine because th- th- this is the real rogue pick. I really struggled for a left back. I think I think left back is such a hard left back and right back is such a hard position mm. unless someone's been outstandingly bad. So I was temp- I was tempted to include a couple of players from Liga and like Doma uh, 
Domagoj Bradaric uh, from Lille, who was meant to kick on this season and instead has taken massive steps back and he was barely played. But I'm going to go for the last hot, hot take from another league. Um, it's Nimes League. It's Marcelo. I think this year's been the proper... I mean, this is saying without much knowledge of 1920 campaign, but this year's definitely been, for me, the death of Marcelo. He's only made 12 starts. And, he's, and another interesting thing I've realised, um, he has one of the worst aerial uh, win rates in La Liga. I know obviously he's, the left back is quite small, but you're mainly headed, like fighting against other wingers, and he's got a 23% aerial win rate, which is like appalling. And he wins about, I think it was 52% of his tackles along that line as well. But yeah, whenever, whenever I've watched him, which obviously has not been often because he's barely played, he just looks like such a shadow of the player he used to be. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's where I'd say put him in. And then finally, Naeem, are you got Marcelo as well, or have you gone for someone else? Oh no, I've actually gone for someone else. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've gone for Villarreal's left back. Um, his name is Pervius Estupian. Um, yes, he hasn't. I'm interested to in this because, from all accounts, he's had a decent season. Yeah, like so. Yeah, he pretty he started off the season pretty decently, um, but then obviously near the end of the season, he kind of came out of favour with Unai Emery, and he's pretty much been on a bench ever since. Um, yeah, so he didn't receive, he didn't um, record any go- any assists or any goals, and yeah, he's, he's just been, he's been average average at best. He hasn't really set the world alight. So um, yeah, I've gone for him as my left back. Brilliant stuff. So and now just like send backs, we'll do both our holding fielders at the same time. So my honourable mention is John Joe Shelby. I think um, obviously we'll mention obviously Kieran from the Hairdryer podcast, which obviously um, I'm also a part of, which you can listen to every week. Uh, we will be going through our awards next next week. Um, but yeah, he's Kieran is someone that really does um, does not rate Shelby. I, I think he, from what Kieran was saying on the podcast this week, he was saying about how. Uh, Shelby seems to rile up a lot of, you know, up, a lot of the fans by the things he says, and he just doesn't seem to care on the pitch. But I think I've gone for two players that, for me, have probably been more disappointing than maybe, you know, maybe the likes of Shelby have been. So my first holding midfielder uh, is going to be John Lundstrom. I mean, he was a lot of people's favourite FPL player last year. He was obviously someone that he got something like five goals and four assists. Uh, let me check the stats. Um, yeah, it was five goals and three assists in 1920. He's had no goals and two assists this year. And I think, once again, a bit similar to Ender Stevens. I think he's been someone that has been massively disappointing and nowhere near what we saw last season. And I think, obviously, Sheffield have been poor pretty much every part of the pitch, whether that's um, defence, midfield, attack, or even in goal. So, but I do think London has not been the same player we've, we've seen last season. He's been very disappointing. And his partner in, in the Holman Fielder is someone that you could play more deeper. He's more box-to-box, box, but you can play attack a bit as well. But I've gone for him purely to fit in this team. I've gone for Ruben Loftus-Cheek at Fulham. I think he's someone that came into Fulham with a lot of expectation in his loan spell. Obviously, having been obviously um, at Chelsea beforehand. And obviously, he's someone I used to really like. He's someone I've obviously watched before. And I thought, this guy's going to be a really good player in the future. And obviously, he's been tipped for knows more England caps. But... He's just not been what we thought we'd see this season. He's not been the sort of player that we thought we're, Fulham were going to get. And I think he's not been sort of 
he's not been the same kind of player we all thought. So I think for me, he's, he's been very, very disappointing. He's been someone I've really, really thought, because I see someone I really want to do well, but it has been really sad to see. I mean, injuries have played a part. I will say injuries have been a factor, um, not just this season, but I think throughout his career. So I will say that in his defence, but at the same time, I just don't think he has quite been what Fulham wanted and expected. So Ryan, who are your two holding midfielders? Yeah, so my two, again, from Palmer and Criterion again. Uh, f- from Palmer's side, I've gone with uh, Simon Som and Criterion side, Eduardo Henrique. Now, statistically, these two players are second and third at being the worst players in Serie A at all this season regardless of how many minutes they've played and I purely I didn't go I didn't include the number one just because he only made um, you know five appearances but yeah Henrique and Som have been utter garbage this season they've got two goals between them which for a pair of centre midfielders is quite poor and Henrique's got four bookings Som's got one but you can you can just see like that that passing percentage is only around eighty percent of passes that they complete, and their shots per game is zero point three and zero point five. But again, I mean, you can look at their ratings, and Henrique was six point zero five, and Son was six point twelve, which just shows how shockingly bad they've both been. Uh, for both of their respective clubs this season and they are my choices and Alex who are your two um, holding midfielders mine uh, so one of them's I, I guess you can call it half cheating because he spent half of the season in the Premier League but it's Morgan Sanson who spent the first half of the season at Marseille and then Aston Villa um there's going to be a couple of Marseille players in there, and I will say my attacking <laughs> my like my attacking three have contributed to about sixty goals this season, so I'm gonna have a fun time justifying that. Um, <laughs> oh right, okay. Let's but that. M- M- Morgan Sanson uh, arrived at Aston Villa with quite a bit of hype, and he made three starts from January onwards. He didn't really have any injuries. And he's scored none and assisted none. He's just looked... His numbers have been very low. And at Marseille, in the first half of the season, he he was meant to be their talisman. And he really didn't do enough to keep that team going well. And I'm going to go more into Marseille in a bit. So I'm going to stay a bit quieter on that aspect. Partnering him is Steven Nzonzi of Rennes. Of, uh, obviously, a former name has mm. been across Europe. Now, Nzonzi, on paper, he hasn't done too badly. His tackle success rate is pretty high. He's one of the best headers in League Earn. But from watching Wren, um, I've watched them all the way up until their coach, Stefan Julian, was sacked uh, quite late in um, 2020, I believe. Wren's um, play style was very high tempo. They obviously had Rafinha in, who's playing at Leeds at the moment, uh, last season. And they what they were known for is just 4-4-2, really aggressive, 
really adaptable and flexible and they had a lot of speed and that's what took PSG off guard when Edouard Camavinga burst onto the team, one of the most high tempo players in the team. And Zonzi just completely slows it down. And especially in the Champions League, he was wrecking them. And it felt like two play styles completely playing against each other. So for that reason, and Zonzi's going in for completely upsetting uh, the Ren for uh, the, the Ren's formula. Class by him because obviously Nzondi is someone I've lo- I-, I love watching in the Premier League and obviously when he was playing because he's part of that French team in the World Cup a lot of hype around him. What's happened to him to even get put on lo- on loan in the first place to Rennes? What's happened in terms of what's caused this slide? Be obviously go to Roma and then just be loaned out. What's caused this? Do you reckon? I think it was uh, like you bring up a good point. I'm just getting, checking these numbers now. I think it when he went to Roma, perhaps Ryan can give a bit on this. I do think he. He was like considered a flop. I'm not sure if I'm mixing it up with another player. But I'm looking at him now. In his last season in Serie A, he made 30 appearances. He scored one goal and got two assists. Um, look, he's got he completed over 60% of his tackles, his uh, his headers, his dribbles. So he, I guess it's not. Maybe it's not the fact that he's a bad player or anything. But as I said, maybe it's just the system that's not working, and especially that's at Ren. Is it's yeah. like it's not a criticism. He's the one player in this team that is definitely not a criticism of his talent. It's just is the worst possible fit for Ren. Right, I see. Yeah, and then Naim, who are your two holding midfielders? Yeah, so my first holding midfielder is Atletico Bilbao's Danny Garcia. Um, for a player that's been playing since 2009 and been a, a central midfielder, he's only ever scored three goals in a total of 387 appearances. So being a central midfielder, yeah, you really need to score a bit more more goals than that. He hasn't. Last time he scored was, um, I believe it was back in 2016-17 season. Wow, and that was uh, for Ibar. So um, yeah, being a central midfielder. Um, yeah, if if you're not really scoring many goals or contributing many assists, then there's not really many point for you. A bit like Granit Xhaka, but um, my second second midfielder is Papa Kuli Diop, not to be mistaken for Papa Buba Diop. Um, he plays for relegated side Ibar. Um, like previously with my other defenders, uh, the, with, my, with my defenders in the team, if you if you're playing for a team that's getting relegated and you're getting sent off twice. And picking up quite a few yellow cards, then yeah, you deserve to be in my worst team of the season. Uh, and yeah, those are my two holding midfielders. And now we're on to right midfielder. Now, my choice is a player that Ryan has repeatedly um, sort of slagged off on Twitter. He's a player that has been massively disappointing since he's come in. I've gone for William as my right <laughs> midfielder. <laughs> I was going to say, should we all say his name at the same time? We all knew it was coming. <laughs> Yeah, if anyone follows Ryan on Twitter, you'll you'll know how much he's not been a fan of winning this season, and I think it's justified. I think he came in before he joined Arsenal. He was linked with Barcelona, uh, Liverpool, into my into Miami. He was linked with all these big clubs, not into Miami, but he's linked with all these massive moves to Barca, to Chelsea. He joined Arsenal. He joined Arsenal. Obviously, he came to a great start in that Fulham game where he got two or three assists, I think it was, but. Um, Obviously, didn't get a goal until literally about two, three weeks ago or something like that. And he's literally been he's been pretty pretty dog shit, if I'm honest. He's been really bad. I mean, he's not I mean, he's all about Chelsea all the time he'd score those free kicks, all the time he'd play well for Chelsea. I mean, you saw the way he ended the season, the season 
his last season at Chelsea, the way he ended. I mean, he, he, there was talk of him even staying at Chelsea. He was playing that well. Um, but yeah, he's just come to Arsenal. He's not been, he's been really under par. He's really not been a bit similar to what we saw before with um, with um, Loftus-Cheek at Fulham. Is that I think he's just not performed to expectation. He's really been below what has been before him. So yeah, for me, William is my right midfielder. And Ryan, there's only one more player from Arsenal, just to put your mind at ease. Wonderful. And yeah, that, um, so the next person is going to be back to Ryan. So who is your Serie A right midfielder? So although my two wingers in my team can both play on either flank, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a right winger for me, but... The first one is Federico Bernardeschi of Juventus. Now, he has had a very poor season. And it's weird because he's not rated at all in Italy by the Juventus fans. I searched him on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned about my roasting of Willian. No, that's nothing compared to the to the Juventus slander of Bernardeschi. You know, he's not, he's not liked at all. And... He hasn't really done much this season. He contributed to two assists, no goals, and just has been very disappointing. And especially for a for a major tournament coming up as well for Italy this summer, you know, I'm a bit surprised. Uh, maybe it's just he's not suited to to Pirlo's sort of style of play. Whether he's not been fancied, you know, he's played a fair amount of games. So yeah, he's my winger. And then, Alex, who have you put in right midfield? Um, so this is the first of my three controversial picks. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I've got Florian Talvan in. Um, now, I'm going to withhold the reasoning too much until the centre attack in mid. But I'm just going to say, I'm going to give it the counter first. Um, I'm, building, I'm building the reason up quite a bit. I'm going to give the counter first. He got 16 goals and assists this season, by all counts. He was Marseille's top goal contributor. Right, so on, okay. paper, on paper, a good season. But we're going to hold off to the cam spot for his partner in crime, almost right. quite literally. And then we're going to see why right. those two are in. I'm very intrigued by Because I thought he had a good season for what you just said. So I'm very intrigued as, as to the reason why. But we will go into that. Um, Naeem, who is your attacking midfielder? Not attacking, your right midfielder from Spain. Yeah, so my one is another Barcelona player. It's um, Usman Dembele. Um, so this season he actually has stayed fit. Um, Shock. Compared to, compared, yeah, compared to previous seasons where he has been on the sidelines for quite a while. Um, pretty much the main man this season was Ansu Fati, the 18 year old, before he obviously um, he's been injured pretty much for pretty much half a season now. But. Um, yeah, since he's coming from Dortmund, he hasn't really lived up to um, the expectations that the Barcelona fans thought they were going to have. I know he obviously has been played with injuries and everything, but with the money that he brought in for, the, the, this doesn't really seem like a good investment. And and if they were to sell him, I don't think they would get near enough as much money that they wasted on him. And um, I know Barcelona, they have wasted quite a lot of money over the years. But yeah, he's not really... He's not really been that great this season, and um, yeah, I think I think it's probably time for him to move on now. To be fair, and it, 
if if he's listening to Belly, I just want to thank you for that awful miss you did in that first leg against us a couple of years ago. Oh yes. Could have been 4-0, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it would have been 4-0 and we would have gone to extra time in that game and who knows what would happened in that in that half an hour. So I just want to say if you're listening, thank you for winning us a Champions League. I just want to say that. Thank you very much for your for your god awful laziness in finishing. Um <laughs> Uh, I might have to put them in as my vote just for that reason. Um, right, we're now on to the cam position. Um, so, this is another one, a bit similar to previous players. Another disappointment season, considering what he came with. But I've gone for Ross Barkley as my attacker mid from Aston Villa. I think, obviously, he starts the season off well. In obviously, the um, he scores in that 7-2 against, unfortunately, us. But I just think, obviously, injuries, again, have been the big thing. But at the same time, he's been in and out of the team. Um, he's again not had the impact we all thought he'd have, um, and he's just not been. You look at him when he obviously at Everton, he was this obviously bright youngster. He had this amazing season in 2013 14. Obviously, he had these amazing couple of years, and obviously, then got the move to Chelsea. And obviously, he's um, had had his spells, had his moment to Chelsea. He's had his brief moments where he's done well, but overall, not been the signing he, we all thought he had. And obviously, um, we went to Villa, we all thought that's a great signing. He'll be back to his best playing for a team with less expectations. If anything, he's gone, he's got worse since joining Villa. So that is my choice. I've gone for um for Ross Barkley as my attacking mid. Now, Ryan, who is yours? So mine, shock, is another player from Quaterine. <laughs> and yeah. it is Nicolo Zanel Latu. Now He's made 27 appearances this season for Crotone and Serie A. And of all those appearances, he has at the mighty one goal and one assist to his name, three yellow cards, and just 0.2 shots per game, which is one of the lowest Jesus. in the league for, a, for an attacking midfield. I mean, in all fairness to him, he does. He, it's, it's very rare that he plays as far forward as he does. But I put him in just because of how bad he's been. But he is only 22, so he has got a lot of time. He might to get five shots per game next season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's had a, yeah, like I say, he's had a shocker. He's had a had a rating of six point two three, so not very good at all. But again, no, nobody was apart from one player for Caterno, so he was my choice. And then. We're all waiting for this now. We're all waiting for this for this cam. Um, fire away, Alex. Okay, so the cam, and again, the the reasoning is it's going to take a, a second to settle in. So the cam is Dimitri Payet, former oh, yeah. West Ham player, Marseille teammate, who also had a good season by the numbers. He got seven goals and ten assists. So you guys are wondering why on earth is he included? Florian Tolvin, who got sixteen goal contributions, Payet. We've got 10 assists and 7 goals. Two of the best players in this Marseille squad. You're wondering, what the hell are you doing putting them in, right? Yeah, go for it. No. Tell me more. Well, right. the reason is, nothing to do with their stats, but the fact that the pair of them hate each other and it completely derailed Marseille's season. Now, it's a bit of a story to go into. I'm going to summarise that a little bit. Apparently, it all started in 2015 over something so trivial. On the pitch... One of them, it's not even uh, said to the other, oh, I think it was Tolvin insulted Pai apparently during the game saying, don't speak to me, go, you son of a bitch, right? That happened in 2015. <laughs> then in the past 
Yeah, it's heated up a bit. Now, they were playing under Andres Villas-Boas, and in 1920, they finished second, and by all accounts, were doing good. But then COVID started to hit in, and um, I think it's coming up to January this year, as well, actually, that the COVID started to hit in. So Marseille had asked for um, payment uh, reductions. Then Talvin accused Paye of going around the squad and telling everyone to not accept reductions to keep their wages. Then it hit January, and uh, Pye uh, accused Talvin of being a selfish person on the pitch and not giving anyone the ball. And the effect it had was traumatic, because in the 2021 season, a lot of people were expecting Marseille to do better. This is Andre Villas-Boas' second season. He looked to have found a home in Marseille. But the football was turgid. Like, do you know Saribor? Imagine that mm-hmm, on yeah. 0.25 speed. It was oh, so God. bad. But they grinded out a few wins in late 2020. They got six wins in a row, in fact. And that meant they were actually in the top three. I think at one point they were first as well. Then they went on a bit of a run, um, to put it lightly. They won the f- on the first day of 2021, or on the 6th of January, sorry, the first game. Um, it was then 11 matches until they won again in League 1. Wow, wow, wow. And in that time, Andre Villas-Boas was sacked. The training centre was mobbed by fans. Uh, flares were thrown at players as they had to hide in the dressing rooms after almost being attacked. Um, the, there was a war between Villas-Boas and the sporting, di- the, the sporting director where uh, Villas-Boas said, I will resign if you sign this player. And the sporting director said, fuck off, I'm, I'm, I'm sacking you so you can't resign. It, and it all really came from these two feuding on the pitch... And it's not even just a little story. Even Villas-Boas had to admit in the press conference, and he summed it up as saying, I wouldn't send them on holiday together. <laughs> and it's ended It's ended lovingly. Tolvin has now uh, flown to Mexico, and he now plays with Tigres uh, at the end of the season. And that's what the pair of them are in there. Nothing to do with their goals and assists, which they did well. But in fact, their negative attitude, their crap relationship was so poisonous. And it's not the only reason, but it is a big part of why Marseille floundered and ended up missing on, out on Champions League football. It all, it all makes sense now. It all makes sense. There you go. Story time. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, story time with Alex, with the Euro expert. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, who's your attacking mid name? Yeah, so I've gone for a Real Madrid player. Um, I've gone for Isco. Yeah, so with Isco, um, he had a quite a high reputation when he came in uh, to Real Madrid from from Malaga um, back in 2013, but as as the seasons have gone on, he's kind of started to play less and less, making most of his appearances from the substitute bench. Um, he didn't re- he didn't score any goals this campaign, and I think he only re- um, yeah he only recorded two assists. Um, so I th- I think obviously Zidane he, he's kind of obviously fallen favour out with him, but obviously Zidane's left Real Madrid now, so. He maybe might he might get a bit of a reju- rejuvenated career. Um, whoever comes in next, or he might get sold on. But yeah, he's, he was a, he was a really highly rated player, but he kind of just seems to be like just faded away, really. Um, so yeah, he he's my pick for attacking midfielder. Fantastic. Now we're on to the left midfielders, and I mentioned before that I got one Arsenal player left. And I've gone for um, a player. I want to let Spotify tell you who it is before I um. So I'll get get ready. And this is who I've gone for my left midfielder. Oh, 
Oh, yeah, Bamiyang. Pierre-Emerick Bamiyang is my left midfielder. And this is my only controversial one because he did get 10 goals this season, and I will say that. But that he, he had 20 goals both seasons the year before that. So I think purely for how he's been in years before and the rep- reputation he's built, he's had a real down year. I still think he's their best attacker. And I think if you play him centrally, he'll score more goals. I think he's been a victim of being put out wide a lot of times and have Lacazette centrally. But I do think Aubameyang for me has not been, you know, not been the same player we've seen in previous years. He's not looked the same player. His, I mean, his haircut at one point was absolutely dreadful as well. That's just a little side note. Um, I, I think yeah, for me, Aubameyang just purely because I just struggle to find other left. I just struggle for other left midfielders. I will say um, I could have included Mane, but I just can't do that. Um, so for me, I, I'd have Aubameyang purely for the fact that he'd done so well in the years before and he was below expectation this year. Ryan, who is yours? Before I go into mine, I have to say, this is where you crossed the line, Mr. Davis. <laughs> I don't agree with that one bit. This is a player who has carried us. I know, I know we're not talking about other seasons, but we're talking about this season. But you've got to remember, this is a player who, ha- who had malaria at one point in the season and affected him for quite a few games. And as you say, he has been played out on the left, not his natural position. And in one of the, you know, we have been one of the worst teams this season. F- fair enough. But I can think of worse players in that position. So we'll go into right. that one later. Right. I'm going to hit you with some stats here. This is, this, is, this is why I chose him for this reason. I was looking at his stats the other day. So his first season, he played 13 games and got 10 goals. This season, he's played 29 games and got 10 goals. Season before that, last year and the year before that, he had 22 goals and three assists in 36 games. And then 2018-19, he had 36 games, 22 goals again and five assists. So I do think, I'm not basing on his ability, I'm basing on how he's been this season. I think he's been way below par. And and yeah, I, I, that's why I've got to put him in. Yeah, it's just for my reasons there. It's just because in previous seasons, he has played as a striker for us. It's only really this season mainly where we've seen him. Yeah. Out on the left, and again, it's not his natural position. He's had injuries, and yeah, I can't, I can't condone that decision. But anyway, we'll move on. But but also, he did also break. I know he did break COVID rules off the pitch. So he did. He was yeah, which footballer didn't? <laughs> which footballer didn't? Well, I didn't hear of many apart from him. But that, we're, we're we're going off track here. We're going to go into a football yeah. argument here in a minute. So I think that let's move on to yours. <laughs> Yep, so my other winger is uh, Samu Castillo of AC Milan. And again, easy decision, really. He has made 12, well, 28 appearances. He only started 12, came on as a sub for 16 of those. Made, you know, played around just under 1,200 minutes, but he only contributed one goal in Serie A this season for a winger. No oh, assist. no assists. No assists. Um, five bookings and did nothing else. And he he is an overrated. He's an overrated player anyway for me. Um, and he's just been dreadful. I mean, he's even played in the Europa League. He's only scored two goals in nine appearances in the fucking Europa League. Like that's you know that's that's a a competition where wingers and strikers. Sh- you know, should be banging him away, and that shows his level, and that shows why Milan 
need to send him to SeaWorld. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> so, Alex, who is your tacking mid? Sorry, left mid, sorry. Left yeah. mid. Um, well, I, well I, I'm quite glad, really, because obviously you've, you've picked quite a controversial pick, Andy, and luckily my one's a no-brainer. Mine's Neymar. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. Now, Neymar... Um, again, on paper, stats-wise, a good season, kind of. He's got nine goals and five assists in fifteen starts. Um, he's in somehow in that time as well, despite playing half the minutes, he's completed the most dribbles in Liga. Not Penitney. He's played half the game time of everyone else, and he's completed the most dribbles. So astronomical there, ridiculous. He also ran the first half in both legs against Manchester City. You know. Take it again on the pitch, great. But well, it's not even off the pitch. Sportsmanship-wise, he's been an absolute disgrace. Um, he genuinely has. He's picked up three red cards. Uh, loads of loads have been um, red cards that have had have had added suspensions. Um, in fact, this season he's missed six games through suspension. Um, it's just been. It, it, it's not even from like. He's getting too into it or things. What Neymar's done so many times this season is he'll appear to be losing or drawing. And then he will he'll lose the ball or he'll get put on the ground. And he'll just like kick out or like slap or punch someone. And there's just no need for it, for how he's conducted himself throughout this season. And I get he's frustrated. I get he must have been devastated at the end of last season. I also get... Most foul player probably in Europe. He gets kicked to shit in France. But still, you can't be doing what he did on such a regular basis. He's, he's caused so many fights. There was one against Lille that he almost caused. Earlier in the, early in the season against Marseille, he caused an all-out brawl that saw Lauvin Kazawa fly kick someone. To me, it's just been really disappointing to see. And that's coming from someone who really loves him. I'm glad he's committed his future to PSG and for the future of League Gun. But next season, I hope he calms down a bit. Yeah, I've always had a problem with Neymar personally. I think that he's a great player, but I would never put him in that group of elite players purely for me because he, he I mean, he, the, the odd game like the Barca 6-1 game, you look at the Champions League final he scored in and stuff like that. But I think there was quite a lot of games, big games. We saw this, you know, in, in the second leg against Man City. He just sometimes just does not turn up in these big games. So I do think he needs to work on that a bit. But, mm. um, but Naeem, who was your left midfielder from Spain? My left midfielder is Mr. Eden Hazard. Although he, like Dembele, has been plagued with injuries, um, when he has featured for Real Madrid, he has not. He's he's a shadow of the form itself. He was at Chelsea. Um, it's you know he's this season he's only got, he's only got three goals in the league and fourteen appearances. It's not that bad, but with the amount of money that they spent on him, um, I think obviously Real Madrid thought that they were getting a play at Chelsea, but. He just seems a shadow of his former self, and obviously there's talk of him going back to Chelsea, but I can't see that happening. But um, yeah, he's just failed to impress at his time at Real Madrid, and um, yeah, I think his, I think his time's up now. Really, I don't, I don't, don't think he, he can come back. To, he, he could, he can come back, but I don't know. I just don't think he's really bothered that much anymore. To be fair, he's got his big move now, so yeah, yeah he hasn't really got to do too much now, has he? No, I, I don't think he's. I mean, his profession, we mentioned this before in a previous podcast about how his professionalism has been 
criticised quite heavily recently. Yeah. But I will say, obviously, when Madrid won that game the other week where he scored the he scored the winner, and I thought I heard I heard he I heard the headline saying Hazard goal um gave Madrid a point, and I thought he'd scored this great goal that was going to resurrect his career. But no, it was a Tony Cruz shot that went off his backside. So yeah, that's <laughs> that <says> all. <laughs> so yeah, he's my left wing. Oh yeah, he's been he's been really poor. Yeah, no, I think it's um interesting how it's been amazing. Obviously, injury has been a massive part of his career, but the thing is, his time at Madrid. But I think, um, I think overall, I think he's just been not being, you know, not being the same sort of, not not the same player we've seen before. Um, but finally, we're on to the final position. It's the um striker. Now, um, in terms of strikers, I was thinking of um, I thought maybe someone like Thibaut Werner, but I, he me he has shown. At times this season, he can become a good striker in the Premier League. So for me, I've gone for a little bit lower down the table. I've gone for Jordan Ayew of Crystal Palace. And I'll tell you for why. Uh, last season, he scored nine goals and two assists. This season, he scored one goal and three assists, despite playing only five matches less. And he's, I think, had the 15th or 16th most minutes of any striker in the Premier League. So he's not been lacking game time. And I think for me, he's just... I think if you watch Palace, Benteke's been... He's been terrible the last few years, but recently he's really picked up his game, and I think uh, it just shows the difference between both players. And I think Jordan Ayew's has not been sort of not been that good, really. If I'm honest, to put to put it simply, he's not been that good. And I think that um, certainly in the summer, Palace need to either give a tech another chance or need to get a striker because I don't think Jordan Ayew is good enough. I mean, even pre- even previous seasons, he got one goal three years before this. So I think. Last season seemed to be just a one-year wonder, and I don't think he'll really hit those heights ever again. And I think this season has showed that that was a one a one-year wonder last year. So my striker is Jordan Ayew, who um, is up front for my team. So Ryan, who is your final player? Who is your striker from your team? So my striker is someone who Cardiff City fans will Ooh. know of, and. It is Andreas Cornelius of Parma once again. So easy, to ch- easy sort of uh, decision this was. He's made a total of twenty-nine appearances this season for Parma. Twenty-one starts, eight off the bench, and he has scored one goal in almost twenty-nine games. One goal. To his credit, he had four assists, four bookings, and his, he had a pass percentage rate of 68%, and his shots per goal, uh, shots per game, should I say, was one, one shot per game he averaged. For a striker, yeah, and it was pretty much the easiest decision of my whole team. Fantastic. And then, Alex, who's yours? I have reigned the Bundesliga for this one. Um, I have picked football and f- football manager and FIFA wonder kid, Briel Donoimbolo, the Ooh. Swiss striker. Now, he's been playing at Borussia Mönchengladbach, and much like Gladbach, he's not really had the best of seasons. Now, he's got five goals and two assists, which isn't bad, but... I'm a little disappointed Andy didn't choose Timo Werner because I was going to make a joke and go, well, if you if you think Timo Werner was bad, well, you haven't seen Briel Mbolo <laughs> because... Um, let me read off a couple of stats. So Mbolo has missed... This won't ring as true because we haven't got a comparison here. The con- 
but uh, he's missed 13, quote, big chances this season. The average for a striker to miss is around about this. It's not too bad. But going off shots per game, not only does he average only 1.3 shots per game, um, just like a, a bit like Cornelius, he averages 0.7 shots on target per game. He doesn't even get a shot on target every match. That's how bad he's been. And I've watched him in the Bundesliga, and it's just, it's not even a, a bit of confidence. He's just shit at shooting. Like, it's so <laughs> painful to watch. Like, I can't, I can't stand watching him shoot. He's got, and to top it all off, like, there's a really summarise it. So, most strikers and most wingers, they'll, they'll have a decent goal conversion. For example, someone like Harry Kane has a 19% goal conversion, which isn't even elite. It's just he's taking a wealth of shots, 20% of them are going in. In Bolos, I'll just make sure I get it right. In Bolos was 12%, which means if you want to do the math, if he's having 1.3 shots per game and 12% of them are going in, <laughs> he's needing about that 10 matches. Yeah, need 10 matches to score as a striker. It's crap. So Imbolo is a shoe in for this. And then finally, Naeem, who is your striker? I'm not sure that could be top, to be honest, but who is your striker? <laughs> yeah, um, I've gone for Barcelona striker Martin Braithwaite. Ooh. Yeah, so um, obviously we had Luis Suarez. He went to Atletico Madrid in the summer, so he probably thought, you know, this is my chance to, you know, beat Barcelona's main number nine, but he was pretty wrong, to be fair, because Koeman, he was pretty much playing Griezmann or Messi up front for... Uh, most of the season and yeah it's, it's a bit of a weird one because when he first went there it was just a bit of a weird transfer like it came from the Garners of all teams I know obviously when he went there obviously it was emergency like like transfer because um, of Dembele's injury but yeah since he's been there he hasn't really he hasn't done too much really there has he um, in 29 games he's played um, obviously most of them coming off the bench he's only got Two goals and two assists. Um, he's missed eight big chances, and he averages zero point two shots on target per game. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm going to stick with him to be up front in my worst team. Right. So that concludes all our teams. Now we're going to do one final vote each, and then that's going to be, that's going to be it for the pod this week. Um, so I'm hope, hoping you've all been sort of making notes of who you vote out of all the four leagues combined. So we can start off with the goalkeeper. Who are you going to vote for as your goalkeeper? My vote is Rui Silva from Granada. What's your vote, Ryan? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Silva. Same for I mean, me, same for me. Yeah. Well, that's majority. That's easy. So our first goalkeeper, the keeper on our list is going to be Rui Silva. Now, in terms of right back, I'm going for someone I picked. Uh, I'm going for Hector Bellerin as my right back. And then, Ryan, who, who's your vote for? I am not going for Hector Bellerin. I am going for my pick. That is Simeona Iaco Capone. Okay. And then, Alex, who's your vote for? Um, I'm going to put it all down to uh, Naeem and say that my vote's for Buna Sar. So, whoever Naeem votes for gets it. <laughs> I think you'll know who I'm going for. Oh. Yeah, I'm going for Hector yes. Bellerin. Yeah. <laughs> Watching him play week in, week out, man. That guy's... I'm glad, glad to see the back of him. Never seen a player, never seen a player have so many far throws 
in a season. Like, like how can you not throw a ball? You're a professional footballer. How can you not throw a ball? But yeah, he's he's my pick for right back. Yeah, I, I know DT loves his foul throws as well. <laughs> I'm sorry, King Hector, if you are listening to this podcast. Please, please don't include me in this slander. I mean, Hector, I've heard you're such a great guy as well. That's my issue with this. Like, he he seems like from what I heard, he's such a great guy after field. That's, that's what everyone. Thing. That's what everyone says about him. They always say, "Bellerin, he might not be great, but he's such a nice guy." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so centre backs. Now my two picks are Eric Dyer and Emery Chan. I think the five errors really convinced me. He's probably my first choice out of all the centre backs on this list. The five errors thing really that that really stands out for me as a really bad stat. So I've gone for Emery Chan and uh, Eric Dyer. What about you, Ryan? I have to say I am in agreement with you, uh, Eric Dyer is just that. He is Dyer and <laughs> uh, M. Ray Chan. Yeah, he is much better. And like I say, them five errors is just, that's like Granite Shaka level of well, you know, squad rammer. Sta- that's another player who wasn't mentioned. Uh, he is an on- on- honourable mention squad rammer staffy. <laughs> oh, Jesus. How long have you got with him? How long have you got? <laughs> and then, Alex, who have you picked? Um, I'll match that. We've spoken about Chan. Uh, but I think Eric dies uh, shooing. I think this was the season everyone said, you know what, this could be the year that Eric Dyer proves himself as a good centre back. And all he did was prove himself as a shit centre back. So yeah, Eric Dyer is in there with Emery Chan. Just a note, I never said Eric Dyer would ever be a good centre back. <laughs> <laughs> and then Naeem, who have you gone for your centre backs? Yeah, I'm gonna be in agreement with um yeah, Eric Dyer and Emery Chan. Yeah, Eric Dyer. Yeah, he's he's just useless, and he's quite um, frankly um, not in the England squad, which is which is good. So yeah, I'm going with them too. Yeah, they've been awful. Quite, quite, quite a resounding um, answer for those two, isn't it? Um, hmm. And then finally, left back. Who have you gone for? So my pick at left back is, forgive my pronunciation. It's Ryan's choice. It's Luca Calderada. I've gone for as my left back. What about you, Ryan? I've actually not gone for my one. I've gone with Alex's suggestion of Marcelo. Oh, okay. Alex, who have you gone for? Uh, I'm going to have to back myself then. I'll go in Marcelo. Okay. And Naeem? Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with Marcelo as well. I know, I know they've got Fernand Mendy there now, but yeah, he's, he's past it now, Marcelo. Okay, brilliant. Now on to the holding midfielders. Now, my two choices for holding midfielders... It's Stephen and Zonzi, and I'm going to go for Edouard Henrique from Crotone. And what about you, Ryan? I am sticking with both my choices just because of how atrociously shit they both were. So, (laughs) Eduardo Henrique and Simon Som are my two choices. And then, Alex, who have you gone for? Uh, I can have a reminder of everyone's. So, we've got got the atrociously shit pair from Ryan. Yeah, and then you've got obviously Simon Som and Eduardo Henrique. My two were Loftus Cheek and uh, John Lundstrom. Yours were Morgan Sampson and Stephen and Zonzi. And then uh, Naeem's was uh, Danny Garcia and Papa Cooley Diop. Yeah, Diop. But that was the one I wanted to. I want to put Diop in. And Andy, I'm actually going to go with you. I think Ruben Loftus Cheek in. It's only because when you first said his name, I had my mic commuted and I was like, really? And then you justified it and I went, okay, fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. And then Naeem, who have you gone for? Yes, I'm going with Diop and Henrique. Ooh. Now this, 
Oh, it's fine. I thought we had a tie break. We all sorted. So our two holding fielders are going to be Henrique and Diop. Wonderful. Now, <laughs> on to the right midfielder. Now, this one I feel like Ryan's definitely going to agree with me for this one. I've gone for my own choice. I've gone for William as my right midfielder. Ryan, are you, are you in agreement? Yep. Yep. <laughs> you, don't, you don't even need to ask me. Didn't need yes. to think. Yes. Same again? <laughs> yes. All four? Yeah, I'm going for Willian. Dog shoot. That, that is a full house for Willian. <laughs> so just like Rui Silva, he's the second player, I think, that's got a full house. That's the first um, time he's got four goals since 1819. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, the last, maybe the last time ever, unless he moves to a, um, you know... MLS. So, attacking mid. Now, I've gone for uh, Ryan's choice. I've gone for Nicolo Zanalato as my right as my um my attacking mid. Um are you in agreement, Ryan? I am. Okay, fantastic. And Alex? Uh I yeah, I actually agree with that. The 0.2 shots per 90. I'm yeah, I'm trusting shocking. he I'm trusting he, even if he doesn't play Cam, I'm trusting he's the most attacking midfielder. To have to produce that little shots is appalling, so he's in. Uh, Naeem, another full house? Yeah, full house. Yeah, those stats are yeah, they're terrible for an attacking midfielder. Not acceptable. So, so he is our attacking mid. Now, for left midfielder, I think my choice now is going to be someone I think has been the worst signing in European football history over the last three years, uh, Eden Hazard. I think he's been... The, how good he was at Chelsea to how bad he's been in Madrid is just a massive, massive contrast. So I've gone for Hazard as my, as my pick as left midfield. Yeah. Right. It's a tough one. It's the only one I've had to really think about between him and him and uh, Samu Castillo because he's, he's oh been, yeah he's been bad yeah he's been bad 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 but yeah just because he played for Chelsea I'm going to go with Hazard. <laughs> I think I was torn mostly. I think with the cam I was torn between Isco and uh, Zanalato. I was thought both of them had really bad yeah. ones. So that was, that's the one I struggle with the most. Um, Alex, what are you going for? I'm going with Hazard, but I will say he he gets the award for creating the funniest moment in football history when El uh, Chin a Spanish TV station made the <laughs> <laughs> fun, fun fun fact. I showed my dad that clip. It got halfway through and he asked if it was a parody, and I said no. So, <laughs> so that Hazard's in. I mean, Hazard, I do apologise if you are listening. I do still want to interview for an article, so if you ever want to reply to my DM, then you know where I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Naeem, um, who's your pick? Yep, full house. Eden yeah, Hazard. Hazard, yep. He's our left midfielder. So we've got one person left. Now I feel like after what we discussed, he, this could be another full house. Um, striker, I was going to go for, you know, I was going to go for when Ryan mentioned Cornelius, I was really tempted to put him in, but the Mbolo stats really just that took me over the edge. So I've gone for Bolo as a striker. Right. Yeah, he has been bad, but. Just because of the goals he scored for me, for me and Football Manager, I'm not going to pick him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stick with my own choice just because of how yeah. poor he's been and that's Andreas Cornelius. And Alex? See, I was tempted by the amazing name, which is Andreas Cornelius, because that isn't a sensational name. <laughs> but, then I, but then I remembered, um, let's say that Mbolo, uh, the, the season continues, um, we would have to wait exactly five game weeks for Mbolo by the stats to score. So I think wow. I think he has to wow. get in. 
And Naeem, I think you might have the deciding vote. Who are you going for? Yep, going to go with Mbolo. Oh, yeah, he went 3-1 in that sense. Um, <laughs> so that concludes our combined team. Now, one thing we're going to do finally, very quickly, literally off the cuff, straight away, everyone name the worst team from each league overall. So, for example, my pick is going to be, it's, it's going to be Sheffield United, I think, from what they were last season to this season. I think they really just had a, one of the biggest second season syndrome. So I've gone for Sheffield United as the worst team in my league. And Ryan, who's yours? Palmer. Of course. Yeah, uh, Alex? So I said I'd rather watch paint dry. <laughs> and then Naeem? I'm going to go with Huesca. Um, yeah, the worst team in the league. Fantastic. So our combined team is in goal is Granada's Rui Silva. Right back is Arsenal's Hector Bellerin. Centre back is um, Bridget Dortmund's Emery Chan. And Tottenham Hotspur's Eric Dyer. And left back is uh, Real Madrid's Marcelo. Um, in midfield, you've got Cotone's Eduard Henrique alongside, um, forgive our pronunciation, Ibar's Papa Cudi Diop. Uh, our right midfielder is Arsenal's Willian. In left midfield is Real Madrid's Eden Hazard. In centre attacking midfield is Cotone's Nicola Zanaleta. And up front is um, the fancy manager legend that is Briel Imbolo. Oh, that sounds like the slowest team ever made. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this team, I think, yeah, let's see this team on FIFA or something like that. I reckon it'd be, it'd be quite interesting. Yeah. But um, it's, it's the kind of team that Harry Redknapp's QPR would assemble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this team is probably managed by Bob Bradley. It's that kind of bad a team. Oh, no, can we, no, can we put Frank Lampard in charge so they concede a thousand goals? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't want to hear any Frank Lampard stander. He, um, <laughs> I do agree there. I do like Frank. Yeah, he's a good, good bloke. Yeah. Good bloke. So, yeah. Frank. so we will put all these players out on Twitter. We'll let Twitter, in fact, you guys do your own votes. But that is our team. We'll put a little graphic on Twitter for our combined team. But yeah, we look forward to seeing who you guys pick. But yeah, that concludes the Eurotrips podcast. It's been a nice and long one. Um, so hope, hopefully, hopefully you've enjoyed. Uh, be sure to check on, us out on YouTube as well. Please like and subscribe. And yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah. <sighs>